Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, we are back, and I'm excited to be back. Uh, we're wrapping up August now, and we are in Mark chapter 3, verse 7. And may God give us his spirit to understand his holy word. Rick, would you mind reading that section, uh, 7 through 12? Mark 3, yes, verse 7 through 12. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem, and Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. Wow. A couple things in there. Of course, the money verse to me is verse 12. But um, Mark has more than the other Gospels, I believe phrases about Jesus withdrawing, Jesus stepping aside, mm -hmm. Jesus needing time. And somebody once did the math on this and they said we can account for what Jesus did on 21 different days in three years. And of course, there are blocks of time. Uh, for example, he, um, there were 40 days here, 30 days there. But what he actually did, and their point was, uh, calling back to Mark 2, uh, 27, Sabbath the importance of doing good work, but also the importance of rest. And if you have a, a minister, if you're part of a brick and mortar church, make sure your minister gets to rest. Make sure that they get Sabbath. Make sure that they, they get time to pour things in the bucket because if you do not, after a while your bucket empties. And the last figures I saw, people who enter the ministry and this was among evangelicals, so think of center and right Protestantism, uh, last on average seven years. And then they go in to do something else because they're burned out. There's no rest built in. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's also about people. People need rest. Mothers need Mother's Day out. You know, dad mm -hmm. needs to take care of some babies. There needs to be some rest built in. But that said, there's a whole... I mean, the popularity has hit. The crowd's coming. And so they're getting him a boat not to leave, but to go offshore so they can't crush him. We've all seen this on the news. We've seen crowds in some countries push in and people get crushed. Mm -hmm. Of course, you see it in nightclubs when nightclubs. there's a fire. Um, but I've seen it when a, an aid truck shows up and there's a limited amount of rice or flour 
or powdered milk, and you see people charging the truck and beating on each other and stepping on each other. This is not a, a, a criticism. Um, if your baby is sick and dying of starvation, it's hard to pick fault with you that you are climbing over another person to get food. Jesus isn't rebuking the crowds, but he does rebuke somebody or some group here. And this one always puzzled me when I was a kid. Um, gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. And that's demons, I'm assuming, to tell the other demons. Mm -hmm. Which we can extrapolate from that. Um, that means demons are not all-knowing. They have to be told. told. They're not all-powerful because they fall down at his presence. Mm -hmm. And so dualism doesn't work. That The whole Zoroastrianism concept of you know, good and evil, evil are perfect, balanced enemies, and we're involved in this war. That doesn't work. God could crush evil. He doesn't crush evil. And we wonder why, and that's called theodicy, as you know, because you've studied it far more than I have. One of these days, we may have to do a long form uh, where we sit and talk for a couple hours about that and just put up a special video. That would be great. And, uh, and remember, everybody, may, it may be live by the time you watch this, but uh, Rick, Dr. Hunter, is going to have his own YouTube channel, and he's going to, um, he's going to address a whole lot of stuff. So, but anyway, I've been talking. I, I, those, those are the two things I see. I wonder why. I think, I think it may be because if these crowds are always around Jesus, he can't do what he needs to do in the time he has allotted, three years and a bit. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure. What, what have you been told or what do you think? All of the miracles uh, of Jesus, and if not all, I'm just about all of them, were designed to, to show, to do something within a person, to show them in, in the physical realm what God was doing spiritually or could do and would do spiritually okay, yeah. for them. And so that, that was all, that's always an underlying reality is there is, is that yes, he wanted to help. Yes, he wanted to relieve suffering, you know, and uh, illness and the depravity of life. But those miracles were designed. Now, if I can do this for your body, you can see the difference. Then understand what I can do for your spirit. And don't just think of spirit as Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know, or, you know, or some movie, you know, that don't think of that kind of, think about your inner self uh, and how it moves in this world and the people you move around and the way that you carry and conduct yourself and what sets you off, you know, what puts you in a position to snap, what, when you see things that are wrong, how do you relate to them within yourself, when you see injustices, uh, when you see blatant lack of integrity that affects the lives of others, how, how does it? And, um, and so that's what he's talking about in, in the spirit, not, not just some in, inanimate concept, you know, but the real you that resides in, inside the flesh. And, uh, and so everything that attacks us on the physical uh, level always has the ability to permeate, you know, into our psyche. 
Okay, and so now I'm getting more into your area of expertise and stuff like that. It, it, because if we let that stuff around us, you know, it's going to get inside if we stay there, if we don't have barriers up. And so that's, that's, that is important. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the rest, and I'm glad you brought that up, and, and especially as we, this broadcast goes globally. So there are preachers on churches that we're very much accustomed to being in and around and like. And then there are many missionaries that are in very rural areas that are carrying different kinds of unique burdens that don't necessarily have a building and stuff. Their, their, their parish is that village or wherever they are with nothing. And, um, and the load that's on them is horrendous because they carry the love of God for his people. When you go into this thing of ministry, not when somebody pushes you in or that kind of way. But when you give yourself to God for this ministry, that that becomes a part of what God puts in you because you are now, you have chosen, James said, you, you've chosen to do this. And so carry this burden. So you feel the weight of people differently. And um, you, you, you carry mm -hmm. suffering differently. And, um, and over myself, when I've seen certain things, I, say, I, I ought to be able to fix this. And I know in a certain level that I can't. And I struggle with that because the process of God brings it to where it needs to be. But you have to stay with it with God's plan and it's working. And, uh, and so preachers, again, having the ability to go and people giving them a chance to go. Um, I know in in predominantly black churches in, in America, uh, um, the, the preacher that literally works himself to death is the preacher that's lauded yeah. as that's, that's, the, that's the, the person, that, right. the guy, that's, you know, he, you know, he's doing this, he gave himself off, you know, and his family is shot to pieces. Um, his body, his health is shot to pieces. And, and when it comes to time, when, he, when finally he has to take a rest, then nobody wants to take care of him exactly. and his family to get the rest. You know, and at that point in time, you know, you're, you're so broken down that all you're, you're medicating yourself till, till mm -hmm. the, you know, till you pass on, on over, which is no quality of, of life. That's right. Uh, um, when I've been with other pastors in different faith traditions, I know they have built into their places retreat places and mm -hmm. I've been invited with some of them and I said man this is really not you can see God in this ocean mm -hmm. of this mountain and stuff. That's right. So that's, uh, that's important. And I, I, I've certainly seen it uh, that working themselves to death there, there's the preacher kid syndrome and you know the preacher kid the PKs are always said to be misbehaving wild and such mm -hmm. and the reason is because their dads or their moms off saving the world mm -hmm. not raising the kid. There's a whole lot of room in between there. You can, mm -hmm. you can try to save a bit of the world but save your kids first. You know, that's, mm -hmm. your, your first ministry is, is in your house, house, right? My first ministry is to my wife. I mean, we're empty nesters now. You know, I, I'm not really raising my grandkids. I'm just enjoying watching my kids raise them. Mm -hmm. My ministry is to my wife and then to the greater world. Mm -hmm. Well, um, do you want to go to the next section or do you want to talk uh, about the demons? You know, what, yes, one thing at verse 11, and the unclean spirits whenever they saw him and fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. I believe the, the underlying understanding here is that 
because almost nowhere when Christ told anybody, don't say anything about me, within the next verse or two, they're, <laughs> exactly. they're, you know, they're going everywhere. But here, um, I think the foundation is that Christ did not want to be acknowledged and validated by a demon. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. He did not want that acknowledgement or that validation by a demon. And, and leastwise, not first of all, when the people that he came for were still slow. Because we're going to pick that up in this yeah. text. You know, you, you all are kind of lagging behind in the <laughs> thinking here. Come on. And especially when they weren't getting it. And, and so, and I'm almost positive that, that underlying that that's, that's what this with the demons were because he knew already that they were going to acknowledge him. They could not help it. But it was that I don't want acknowledgement from them. That's, I want acknowledgement from you. I, like I, I want you to accept me. I want you to understand this. And I don't want you to understand it because the demon told you, you know, or the yeah. demon expressed it. I want it because I've shown my faith, you know, and you believe in me. And that has powerful implications to the way we walk through Christianity today. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not I'm confirmed by that communion, uh, the body and the blood I take on Sunday. It, that's not confirming my relationship with God. It's confirmed by Jesus's death and my acknowledging him as Savior. And I show that by my willingness to commune. Yes, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. It does. Well, the next bit, I, I love this bit, even though it seems boring to read. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Once again, Jesus is leaving a group. He's getting away so he can do his job, so he can pull a few to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. There they are again. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boagenes, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Well, what I want to talk about here, he picked the 12. There's, there's no magic to the number 12 to us. Um, we'll use the term dozen a lot because it has its own name, which I find interesting. But 12 mean, meant a lot to uh, the Hebrews. You know, you have the 12 tribes, you have the 12 patriarchs. The, you know, 12 was a big mm -hmm. thing there. So this, having 12 and appointing 12 would have indicated to the people that something new was going on mm -hmm. and that it involved Israel. Um, and I'm going to let you deal with that if you'd like to because you're, you'll know a lot more than I do. I think I've said everything I know about that already. Uh, but look at the list. You've got uh, James, son of Zebedee, and John. They are sons of thunder. They are mm -hmm. almost certainly zealots. And yet Simon is named the zealot. That was his identity. So you've got three zealots. Who are the zealots? Zealots were Jews who believed it was their duty before God to overthrow any government that was subjecting the Jews that had them down so that the Jews could once again reestablish the temple, they could reestablish the reign and the line of David. So the zealots did certain things. They would beat up uh, anybody who collaborated with the Romans, or if they caught a Roman soldier out. The Romans, uh, the retribution of the Romans was pretty horrific. So 
There are not a lot of examples of them doing it, but there mm -hmm. are some in history. Josephus writes of several. But they would also carry concealed weapons, uh, almost entirely daggers, uh, small swords. Uh, the, the idea of the really long swords, like uh, the Japanese swords or the sabers. Later, no, mm -hmm. these are shorter Roman-type swords um, or, or daggers with which to strike out of the night or in, you know, in a crowd. And yet one of these, at least one of these, is a Roman collaborator in some way, Matthew. He was a tax collector. And if you remember in the, in the Gospels, they'll say several times, he hangs around with tax collectors and publicans and sinners. You know, they're all put in the same. I wonder how long it took Matthew to sleep through the night, <laughs> knowing... Yeah, there, there's Simon the Zealot sharpening a dagger saying, you go ahead and go to sleep. I've got first watch. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know about this. And we don't know enough about the others to, to say where they're coming from. But what we can say, Jesus calls people who have radically different backgrounds, um, politics, mm -hmm. whatever, and says, get along. And he started it with this. I think we often miss. There are reasons that there are those boring long lists in scripture. There are times in Chronicles my eyes glaze over. But there are reasons they're there. And you know, to the Hebrew scholars, they'll know. And they'll talk to you about the history and the why. Uh, to most of us, we just kind of go, let's just skip. But this, there's a real lesson here. I mean, there's a reason why you and I are at the same table uh, talking about a faith we have in common. And that is because although we bring different eyes and different cultures and different backgrounds, we bow to the same God. Mm -hmm. And that God has got to be above all else. We sing a song, you are exalted above, above all else. I cannot avoid looking at news, reading an article, or hearing a sermon, and not filtering it through a white European mind, because that's the mind I have. You're going to see it through an African-American, a black man's eyes. That means we're going to differ. And there are going to be times where I'm going to look at you and say, did we hear the same thing? Because mm -hmm. yeah, I came away with a whole different. But we've got to somehow subject all of that to the higher reality that you are a handmade son of God made in his image. And so am I. And we're to treat each other accordingly. Even if we have differences we don't have this kind of differences, but even if we did, when you come into God's house, you have to leave that outside. So these men aren't given freedom to take Matthew off to the side and tell him the new realities. No. Jesus makes him leave that behind. Um, I find that fascinating. Yeah. It, it, um, this speaks volumes to where we are uh, in culture, where yeah. we are in time, where we are as a nation, and then where we are as, as a globe. Um, and I think one thing, I, and if I can just go, go back and pull up one point from, from sure. the yeah. last, so this has been the last, last message that you, you heard. At verse number six of chapter three, then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians 
the Herodians were a group of Jews named after Herod. Yes. Okay, and, and so they, they, their whole name, their whole mission was after him. And so you have Jews hooking up together with, with different factions mm -hmm. of, of people, even you know, claiming this is what I believe, this is what I think. And Jesus is pulling them together in him. And we see that in, um, in the names, is, is that um, maybe too often in Western religion, and, and I'm talking about Western Europe and America most mm -hmm. dominantly, is, is that Christianity became a thing of exclusion within a particular faith tradition or denomination. It, it, salvation became in a denomination, in that faith tradition, and, and the part of being in Jesus seemed to have started losing, losing value, losing value, being in this mm -hmm. tradition started gaining value. Yeah. And so when that happens, we lose what God is doing with everybody because at the end of the day, uh, um, you are from Scotland and the highlands and so there's a part of all of that that's in you yep. th that you're going to have to deal with you know all of your life for the good or the bad or, or mm -hmm. things that'll come up and you'll say you know what that's part of that stuff i thought i had got you know but mm -hmm. but it's there and that's true for every body right? and so when we come together in in christ uh, um, Paul will get to it later when we go into Ephesians like that, but he'll, he'll really start driving the nail in the hammer or, or, or the, the nail with the hammer into the wood uh, in the fact that, that I'm breaking that, that down. You know, in, in me, it's, it's not about what your racial background is. It's not where you grew up. It's how you now relate to my mission and my purpose to me in this world going forward. And many times we miss it because we become polarized, you know, within a faith tradition. And, and we, we don't let Jesus, you know, be Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and for, for good or for bad, depending on how people look at contemporary, you know, gospel music, it's, there is more contemporary gospel music out there now that's talking about the relationship with Jesus and not the relationship with a particular church. And it's amazing how that got in front of the pulpit, you, you know, <laughs> as, as trying to put it there. And it started bringing people back to, the, you know, that, that this is a thing that we have, we have to be. Because how can I help and walk with you, you know, if I just dismiss you or you are you. So either when I go to Scotland, I learn how to eat your favorite dish or at least look at it and say, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you know. I'll, I'll bring out the highest. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know and, that, and that kind of stuff. And it doesn't mean that Jesus ever expected you to lose, lose who you are, that's yes. who you are. But to say this thing in Christ is bigger than it, and it brings everybody forward. It, it, it does. And you used a word there that I would like to just get a picture in my head. You used polarized. Now, when you used it, you meant it in its normal form, which meant um, you know, you're pulled to the different poles, north, south. It's like a magnetic pull, and we become more and more polarized without a center. But there's another way that word is used in, in our modern parlance when it comes to glasses. You can get sunglasses that are polarized. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know 
why they have that name. And it could be that Polaroid had something to do with it back in the day. I don't know. Perhaps one of your, the commenters will, will comment. The point I'm wanting to make, though, is there was a problem, and there still are in some ways, with polarized glasses and the screens we watch. For most of the first several years, it's gotten better. If you're driving and you put on polar, polarized sunglasses, you could no longer read your screen. Mm -hmm. I think not only are we being pulled apart, but I think that our different cultures and the way we were raised and, and all of that, the gestalt, the whole of us, sometimes we put those glasses on and we don't see the other. And our heart, we put them on our heart so we no longer have empathy for the other. We don't see the suffering. We don't see the lame. We don't see the poor. Um, we don't see the good in others because we, it's our cultural glasses. I mean, scientifically, and I, I can never help but go that direction because mm -hmm. I know more about that. You and I are very genetically close, very close. There will be a little bit of a difference in some skin pigment, uh, but other than this, it is so incredibly minor. So that when we want to find a donor, let's say for a kidney, very often we will find an Asian woman is the best match for you and a Kenyan is the best match for me. And actually a lot of people don't know this, Kenyans are a much closer genetic match to most white Americans than they are to their neighbor countries. And we have not figured this out, but it just means we're so close. We are human beings. What separates us, I truly believe, is the way we've treated each other. We've driven each other into different areas. And then we grew in different cultures. It's the culture that has split us. And I say us, because I think every group is equally guilty. Well, not, not always equally, but we're all guilty of seeing things through it because we cannot help it. Therefore, we have to inform intentional friendships to reach out to you. In fact, mm -hmm. you first came to us. You know, I didn't, didn't know you, and you came to the soundstage, mm -hmm. and it didn't take long for me at all to just absolutely love you. But we have to form these friendships so we can get the polarized glasses off, so mm -hmm. we can see what is there. So. That, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Uh, and I'm glad you brought it up because it, it reminded me of exactly something that I, ex I experienced when I put them on. I can't see, I can see out there, yes. you know, down in the sun, but I can't see anything yeah. right there in front of me. And, um, right there in front of us. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, that, and, that's, and that's what Jesus, the basis of what he came to do, um, because when he came into the, the world, it was fracturing off. Um, oh, yeah. And, and the things that we think about today, um, like Rome had a law called Patria Protesta, the absolute right of the father. And that's part of what Romans is dealing with. The father could literally have a child killed because he did not want that baby or, or a woman put away for no reason or killed um, with, with, with no reason behind it at all. He came in, into that, um, mm -hmm. that, that, and the way that people were going in that direction and said, no, that's, that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's about oneness. It's about walking on the journey and enjoying the journey of life with whoever you come in contact with, you know? And, and of course, 
seeing the evil that we deal with and see around us, it pulls us apart too because I don't know if I want to go over there and I don't know if I should go over there. And, and so we struggle with that, but that's what Christ came to, to, break, to break down. And it's not, um, it's not just a service that does that. It's Christ in a person's heart. And, and we're going to get to that um, if not this week, lesson we're, we're going to get to that when he starts talking mm-hmm. about the, you know, the 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 spirit, you know, or the blasphemy and stuff right. like that, that that comes up, what that really is, you know, and what it's about, mm-hmm. and um and and how it's working. Okay, we've we've got about six minutes. I would um. I would love for us to look at the issues of family in verses twenty and twenty one. Do you want to read that just real short section? Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Okay. I don't think we talk enough about the family struggles that Jesus had. Um, And there are some facts a whole lot of holes in the facts. Joseph's disappeared after Jesus is 12. We don't know mm-hmm. what happened to Joseph. Uh, he might have died. Um, there is thoughts that he was older than Mary by some degree, but a lot of that is actually from the Catholics um, instead of from... Uh, the, because they want the brothers and sisters of Jesus to be Joseph's the, kids from the first marriage. You know, they, mm-hmm. they want Mary to be a virgin forever. Um, Therefore, you, and there's an idea. Once you have a doctrine, sometimes you have to go back and rearrange the Bible to fit your Revision, doctrine. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we call that scholasticism. Um, but anyway, Jesus grew up with a mama who had kids that didn't believe her story about Jesus. Now think about that. And he had to walk around with people saying, we know who our father was. He, his mom had a horrible life. Many women would not have been a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. They would not go gather water with her or go help her when she was trying to bring in food. Uh, his family did not believe in him. At 30, when he walks away from his, his dad's stonemason shop or carpentry shop and walks off into the world, they come after him saying, you're crazy. I would assume that you've had some of these experiences. I have, I have received very hateful letters and phone calls from my family. Uh, not all of them. Uh, my sister's amazing and my mother's amazing. But my father for years um, told me he could have nothing to do with me because I preached grace and Jesus rather than that denomination that you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And you know, as he died, I cared for him the last few years and that there was, a, there was a little bit of a reconciliation there, but not much. It was a little bit late because mm-hmm. he had dementia. Um, but there are still some in my family that actively despise what we're doing at our safe harbor and the like. And I have to deal with that. And some just say, you're crazy. And I imagine you've had mm-hmm. family push you for this too. Um, I just have to keep remembering what Jesus said in another gospel, when he said, no, these are my family. Mm-hmm. You know, my family now consists of you and everyone who believes in Jesus. That's my family. Whenever I worship on Sunday, 
that's my, that's my family reunion. I take communion, family reunion. Uh, I don't go to family reunions. I haven't gone since I was probably 12, 13. No interest in them. Because um, I look around and I think, I have nothing in common with these people. Mm-hmm. But I have something in common with you, and that's Christ, and he trumps all. So I've said my bet, but I, that's why I wanted us to get that in. If anybody's watching, and because you are part of this, your family's kicking you around, let us know. Let, we'll do what we can to help. I notice whenever there's a holiday, like Easter, Mother's Day, or the mm-hmm. like, our viewership drops. Good percentage, sometimes 20, 30%. And I think that's because sometimes parents are coming in town, and so they're going to a brick and mortar church. Mm-hmm. They don't want them to know. Mm-hmm. I get that. I do. Yeah. Anything, closing remarks from you? We've got a couple minutes left. So. Yeah. yeah, just quickly, they, um, th- that sentiment is very much alive. Uh, in uh, black churches, and especially from our from our faith tradition, uh, um, you can um, it, and it it's we know why it's there um, because it's it's tied in, and then as a person starts understanding or hearing about grace, um, this this thing um, I I wrote about it in my dissertation. Uh, um, literally, you know, the, the um, uh, having to deal with conflicting emotions and theologies yep. and how you choose one. I've been in this all my life, and now you're saying because this is yep. radical. This, this is a test of fellowship thing here, not mm-hmm. just with others, but with God, and you're breaking it. And... Um, you know, and and we do a good job of beating, you know, down, you know, on this or threatening, you, you know, um, people. And and as a family, it hurts. And then it tears up families inside of themselves, uh, you know, and the emotional stress that comes. But uh, but to a to a person, those that that keep moving through it, they don't necessarily appreciate that journey, but they appreciate where they have arrived at. Good uh, because yes. of what God God can you know can do and um, and legalism legalism in religion always tends to seem like it impacts the home environment to the point that the home becomes more legalistic. Yeah. You know, uh, church kids are some of the worst kids when they get out the house <laughs> that the worst, worst has seen be, be, because of the fact that they don't know how to move with the world. They, this grace thing just hasn't worked, you know, yeah. uh, for them. And, uh, and yet we tie it to other stuff but that. Yeah, I, I was raised in a fear and shame-based system in the family and in the church. And I, I would imagine you were too. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know, and you'll probably address this far more on your channel, uh, that you're teaching grace continually mm-hmm. had people coming to you saying, we got to get control of you. Mm-hmm. You're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are, let's all go crazy. Exactly. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, God bless. We're going to have to wrap it there. Uh, but we will be back next week to start our September with you. And we're going to be, we'll pick it up either um, chapter three, verse 20, or we may pop down to verse 22. All right, we'll see you next week.